Um, something that I forgot to mention last one is just a couple of resources um, that I use. I just thought I'd give you a couple of, of ideas. Um, the first one is The Gospel According To. It's really, really old. It's called like The Gospel According to the Dandelion, The Gospel According to the Blade of Grass, The Gospel According to a Snowflake. But The Gospel According To is some really awesome books um, that I really have enjoyed. The other ones, I don't know if you've seen them, they're these big, giant brown books. They're old, and they're called character sketches. Okay, so you've heard of character sketches. So there's volume one, volume two, and volume three. There are three volumes. They're kind of expensive, um, so you'll have to think about it if it's really worth it. This is what they do. They take a character attribute. <clears throat> they take a character attribute like responsibility or patience or trust, and what they do is they teach you about an animal and all about that animal, like how, it, how its life cycle works, how it loses its antlers. If it has antlers, it just goes all very in-depth to the animal, and then it makes up this little story like that would be pliable, like reasonable, uh, like the chipmunk is running away from the hawk or something, and then it shows you where that character, is, that character attribute is being used, and then it takes and it does a Bible character story and shows where they have a character story or have that character attribute, and it draws parallels for you. Has questions, has lesson plans, like, not lesson plans, but has questions to, like, ask your child. It has um, um, Bible verses to read and Bible stories to look up, but it's called character sketches. But they are kind of expensive, so it might be worth asking um, somebody, if, if you know of somebody that has them, or maybe your church library getting them, and, you know, you have a, a volunteering, or I don't know, whatever, but character sketches is another really cool one. Um, a couple of other books are um, Sharing Nature with Children. There is a volume one and volume two that has a bunch of ideas. Um, it's a really old book. You're looking for just a little yellow book. It's really old. It's called Sharing Nature with Children. Um, I can't remember the artist. How many of you guys have heard of Sally Stribe? Have you heard of her? Okay, she has an awesome book called Treasures by the Sea. In fact, when I was a little girl, she came to my um, school, my elementary school, and she did a whole talk. And at the end, we had these little tiny plastic containers, and inside the plastic containers, she gave us shells, and she teaches all about them and show how they connected with God. And we would have at the end this, this collection of Treasures by the Seas, but she does an excellent job of showing you how to see God in intricate ways in nature by understanding their life process that helps you understand attribute of God that you could never have fully understood without it. So Sally Stribe, Sally Stribe um, wrote Treasures by the Sea. It also has a workbook <clears throat> that comes along with it that you can find on Amazon um, that's really awesome. Kids learn about creation, the Sabbath day, eight laws of health, God's plan of salvation, understanding the Bible, baptism, the second coming of Jesus, spiritual gifts, Prophecy and the Prophets, the New Earth, the Ten Commandments, and more. So she is an Adventist. Sally Stribe is a Seventh-day Adventist. Sally Stribe, S-T-R-E-I-B. Um, I love that book. And then she has a new one um, called Summer of... No, several new ones. I'm sorry. She has Summer of the Sharks. Um, and then she has Octopus Encounter. She has Intruder. Uh, and then she has Triton's Treasure, which is actually a, a rephrasing of Steps to Christ, is what Triton's Treasure, using nature and Steps to Christ. Um, so I really, if you just look up Sally Strive and 
play with what other books you see on Amazon. Um, I really enjoy Sally Stride. <coughs> or I'm sure they're definitely in the ABC. You probably can even go over right now and look at the ABC and look for Sally Stride. As far as other books, um, honestly, if you look on Amazon, I have a whole uh, a plethora of a collection, but it's kind of, I don't know, if you're already a homeschooling parent and you have, like, I mean, here I am a teacher doing this, and I have a book of, stack of books I've never really gotten to. So I don't know if I suggest you buying a bunch of books, you know. Um, it might be better worth your money and time to buy better curriculum or to, to try that, that um, saving up for that $300 science you know, creation-based curriculum better than having just books and books of ideas, you know. Um, but I don't mind sharing them with you, but I just usually just thumb through it and find my favorites um, and share those with you. Okay, that's another big thing um, that I should add to is making sure your library is really nature-based. Um, <clears throat> I know this, like, I don't, I don't have something, like, big against those kids' books, but, you know, why not replace it with something better? <laughs> Like, I know the little truck is cute, and he goes on great adventures, and they're not bad lessons, but they're not, like, there's no point, really, to them. It's just, like, in entertainment, and there's such an entertainment industry out there, and it's so entertaining, and that's what screams our kids' attention. Well, you're going to have to develop a love for even literature in them for nature, and Sam Campbell books are awesome. I have the collection of Sam Campbell's. Um, I also um, have this other collection that I really love. They teach lessons, and I can't remember who did, does them. I'll have to look it up, but it's about like a prairie dog and a raccoon, and it's all these. But if you can just fill your library, it's like, to be honest, this is what's awesome, is kids are incredible. Um, I have these old encyclopedias when I taught K2. I mean, they're brown, okay? They're old, ugly-looking things. You know, and as teachers, you, you go through your library, you try to weed out the books. Oh, those kids will never use those, you know? So we, I had these old brown encyclopedias, and um, I was like, should I get rid of these? Should I not? But I was like, oh, they're nature-based, so maybe I won't get rid of these encyclopedias. So I didn't get rid of the encyclopedias. Do you know what my kids want to read at story time? Those. They kept going back for those ugly things. And here I am, like, I, let me be honest with you. I want to read the cute little kitty books about Froggy Goes to School. <laughs> so much more funny and so much more fun and entertaining. And I'm like, the scientific name of the lobster is kind of, like, trying, like, how do I make this? And the kids are like, yeah. I'm like, all right, let's read about it. Two feet, inches, and like, you know, like they're just little columns and like barely much of a picture. But my kids wanted to read that for story time. That's what they kept picking was those encyclopedias. And I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Help me to have that kind of love for your nature. But they loved it. And so filling, filling your library, filling your home with books that just they sit down. There's um, some really cool books at the ABC, um, like, that I love. It's, I remember these ones now. They're all God's creation in the Bible. And so it goes like all the animals in the Bible, all the plants in the Bible. Um, there's, there's a two-book series set for that one, and then there's an old one that's three books. And it's, it goes to every plant that's mentioned in the Bible, every animal that's mentioned in the Bible, and every bird that's mentioned in the Bible. They're about this tall. And I've done fun games with that where I'm just like, all right, I'll pick one, and then you have to find out where, I, where it is in the Bible. Ready, set, go. And we do like word hunts trying to find this one in the Bible. Um, and so, you know, filling your library... I should have talked about that during language arts. Filling your library with nature books and trying to slowly weed out the books that have no point. There's only so many hours in a day. Remember that? Like you prioritize your garden, you got to prioritize your library. And just even those books are cute, you know, they're going to, they only have so much time to look at book time. What, what are they going to look at during book time, you know? Um, and buying those old encyclopedias, I mean, I'm, I've seen them easily at, um, 
at Goodwills, you know, a whole big giant set of old encyclopedia animal pedias. Nobody wants them, but your kids will love pouring through them. <laughs> All right, so that's super important to fill your library um, with books. Okay, so now moving on to something that is extremely near and dear to my heart, and I hope that um, you personally, that this, this, this lesson really touches you, um, because honestly, it's, it's changed my life, and I think that when you are touched, it's just infectious with your kids, and it will pour out. So let's pray before we go deeper. Dear Lord, I thank you so much that you've encouraged us and strengthened us and that you've kept my voice, Lord, and I just ask um, that you, you guard this time, Lord, and that it is special and intimate with you, and that every member here, Lord, can, can walk away with a deeper understanding of you, Lord, because you are so incredible. So, Lord, we give you this time, and we just ask that you be glorified in your name. Amen. One of my favorite quotes is an education. It says, He alone who recognizes in nature his Father's handiwork, who in the richness and beauty of the earth reads the Father's handwriting, he alone learns from the, from the things of nature their deepest lessons and receives their highest ministry. Only he can fully appreciate the significance of hill and vale, river and sea, who looks upon them as an expression of the thought of God, a revelation of the Creator. Many illustrations from nature are used by the Bible writers, and we observe the things of the natural world, we shall be enabled under the guiding of the Holy Spirit more fully to understand the lessons of God's words. It is thus that nature becomes the key to treasure, to the treasure house of the word. Nature is the key to the treasure house of the word. Children should be encouraged to search out in nature the, nature, the objects that illustrate the Bible teachings and to trace in the Bible the similitudes drawn from nature. They should search out, both in nature and holy writ, every object representing Christ and those also that he employed in illustrating truth. Thus may, they may learn to see him in tree and vine, in lily and rose, in sun and star. They may learn to hear his voice in the song of birds, in the sighing of the trees, in the rolling thunder, and the music of the sea. And every object in nature will repeat to them his precious lesson. To those who thus acquaint themselves with Christ, the earth will never more be a lonely and desolate place. It will be their father's house filled with the presence of him who once dwelt among men. Isn't that beautiful? That's found in Education, page 119 and 120. Education, 119 and 120. So it all started for me. Um, I read this book by Sally Strive. It's specifically for women. Sorry, gentlemen. I mean, I'm, I think you could read it too. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know if it would connect with you, but it's called The Heart Mender. Um, she had gone through a very painful divorce, and how she got out was by drawing connections with nature. And I had always wanted to connect with my God in nature, but I never really quite understood how to do it. Like, I got that, you know, it was grand, and he was grand, and you can bring this leaf up, and you can make this object lesson. But it ne doesn't necessarily, like, this helps me understand this verse more deeply. So I'm going to give a couple of examples, and I hope that you can understand where I'm going with it. Um, there's this quote that I, I love. It's in Sepsichrist. It says, I believe it. It is so not because I feel it, but because God has promised. If you believe the promise, God supplies the fact. So unless I start knowing promises, there's no facts to be claimed in my life. Unless I start knowing promises, there's no change in my life. And so I'm like, how do I get those promises where they're just coming in my head, where I can't help but just walk and just think of promises of God? And so I started praying, and I said, all right, Lord, 
I want to know you. Like, I want to know you, know you intimately. And then I'm, I don't know if you've heard this verse or not, but it's, it's a favorite of many nature lovers. It's in Romans 1.20. It says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So in nature, there is written the gospel, okay? Without excuse, it means you don't need this. It means that God is in nature and that he is written all over nature, but we need to learn to have eyes to see them. Now, we have the blessing of this, which means it's just double, triple power. We really have no excuse, right? Because um, we have the power of God's word in our hands compared to those who never had God's power, I mean God's word in, his, in their hands. All right, so um, it started for me... Um, with this thing that I started to do, and I, some of you may be comfortable and some of you may be not comfortable with it, but I started to write in my Bible. Um, I have these beautiful little pens. They're called Micron pens. Um, they are 0 .01. Um, and I don't know if I have any here or not. I don't think I do. But they don't bleed through your papers. They don't bleed through your Bibles. I don't have them in here. Yeah, they don't bleed through. They're Micron. They're expensive. They're like six. $20 for 16 of them. They're expensive pens, but I've had them since 2010, okay, and they're still working. Well, they're kind of done. I kind of need to buy my next set, actually, honestly, but still, that's eight years, almost nine years, okay, that I've had them, and when I started making my Bible my story, when I started writing, every time a promise became real to me, and I wrote that situation, or I wrote that date, or I wrote that person's name next to it, that now became my story. His word was alive and living and two-edged sword in my life because as I flipped through the pages, it was my promises. It wasn't just David's promises. It was like, no, that promise came true in my life. And I was studying in Joshua. Um, Joshua 4, about the stories about the Israelites and their crossing the Jordan. And I love it because remember those stone, that stone idea I talked to you about having your kids write on your stones? There's a reason I said that twice. And that's because in Joshua chapter 4, the, the Israelites have crossed the Jordan. And as they're on the other side, this is what the Lord, this is what Joshua, because the Lord tells them to do. He says in verse 6, uh, well, I'll start with verse 5. Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Can your children see visible stones in your life and say, what do these mean to you? What, where did God become real to you? And I love in verse 9 later on it says, they are there to this day. I don't know if that, I want to find out if they are still, archaeologically, they are still? Yeah, I have no idea either. But I think that is so important that we, we are living in such a fast-paced world, we forget what God does for us. We forget when one promise becomes true because we're so busy on to the next thing. When I started writing in my Bible, you can flip through my Bible and you will see little writings all through it. But I wouldn't have remembered this stuff if I hadn't started writing in there. And now when a pastor preaches, I'm like, whoa. I get what you're saying because, yeah, I have an actual story where that happened, where that came true. Or I can think of something in nature where that became alive in my life. And as I started to write in my Bible, I tell you right now, this would be the first thing that I would rescue out of a burning building, hands down. People always ask me, what's the first thing you'd rescue out of your house if it was burning down? The last thing I would have told you is my Bible because there is an ABC right over there and I can buy myself a new Bible. Now, if I lost this thing, I'd be lost. Because there are so many promises that I won't remember every story, every situation. I mean, guys, God is actively working in our lives. We're just not writing it down. 
We're just not. We're just moving on. And like, thank you, Lord, and moving on. And we're forgetting to record it. Yes. What was the chapter? Joshua chapter 4. I just love that. You know, use this as a sign. And so there's got to be something in your home, maybe something outside where your kids are like, what does that mean to you? That sit spot. What does that mean to you? Oh, please, come. Spend time with me in my sit spot. I'll show you what it means to me. Why did you build that? There is a... Um, a story about a mother who, who planted rose bushes, and each rose bush stood for one of her children. And as she would work on her rose bush, she'd pray for that specific child, and she picked rose bushes that matched the personality of her children, the colors that they would produce. You know, there should be something visible in your life that your kids are like, what does that mean to you? You know, for me, when I go on mission trips, I have each one of my participants, I collect rocks, and then I have each one of my participants write their name on the rock. And then I have them exchange rocks, and then they're supposed to, if they want, pray with each other all throughout the year. They can call each other once a week and pray, but I keep the rocks. And I usually buy, like, a special wooden plate that's made in Guyana or in, in uh, Dominican Republic or in Kenya, and um, that is when I pray for them. I'll pick up my rocks, and I'll pray for the participants that went on mission trip with me to Kenya or Dominican Republic or Guyana or Panama. And um, I also do that with my students. I have these rocks, and I just go through, and I pray for them by names. Um, there should just be something that your kids like, what do those mean to you? Tell me, what, does those mean? What, do, what do those mean to you? I really enjoyed writing in my Bible, and as I continued to write in my Bible, I was, I was like, Lord, I really want to see how you're in nature. Like, I get the object lesson, but I, want it, I really want to go deeper. And so what I started to do was, I, one thing that she suggested was that you, um, <clears throat> throughout the day, you look for something in nature that just really speaks out to you, like the red sky or a bird or just something like that's really special. And then you take it back, and for your devotion that night, you go through and you look for, in your concordance, something that could be something. So something very simple that we all obviously think of is like, for example, birds. Does a verse come to your ver head when you think of birds? Elijah and the ravens, anything else? The sparrow, anything else? Mm-hmm. So the verse that comes to my head, the promise that I have written down here, and I have, it says in Matthew 6, uh, verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into bars, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Every time I see a bird, I honestly, like that verse just goes through my head. I can't help it. It's so incredible. And like, that's an easy one. You're like, yeah, okay, that's not out of the box thinking. No, you're right, okay, but they keep going deeper, so we'll go there. But that's just a simple one, that whenever I see a bird, that verse just goes through my head. And then there's wonderful songs about birds. There's wonderful hymns about birds, you know, that I just, I can't help but think about. Um, another one that's um, pretty easy is trees. Um, you guys can think of any verses when you think of the word trees. Psalms 1, exactly. Psalms 1, one of my absolute favorite favorites. It is Psalms 1, verse um, 2. But he delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And I don't know, do you guys know that song? He shall be like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. You know, such an awesome song. And every time I, I go past a tree, I think of that song. I shall not be moved. It's just awesome. It just makes me so excited because literally I feel like I'm starting to learn to live that education quote where I'm in my father's world. 
and I'm experiencing his presence, same as if he was walking hand by hand with me in the garden. Like I can just hear him different times affirming me, and I just, I love it so much. Um, another one of mine that is really kind of crazy to me, it might be a little bit more abstract to you guys, but um, the color red. So there was a beautiful sunrise and sunset, and I was so enthralled. I was like, oh, I want to look up the color red. Well, does anyone have any verses that they can think of when they think of the color red? Okay. Sends be a scarlet, yeah. Any other ones? We have scarlet cord, okay. So this is what amazed me. It's in Matthew 16, verse 2 and 3, and it says this. (laughs) this one was like, what? He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You know, how many have you heard that sailing? Maybe it's not my farmer's daughter, but you always heard um, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning, right? I didn't know it was in the Bible. I had no idea that that verse was in the Bible. And I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. I was raised an Adventist. I was raised knowing the truth. I'm a hypocrite, but I don't know that you are coming soon. There's so many things because I haven't dug deeper. There's so many things that I'm missing. And so for me, like every time I see a red sky, it's like the Lord's talking to you. Are you choosing to listen? You know, like just driving along. I'm driving home from work. I'm driving somewhere in this beautiful red sky. I'm like, Lord, May I not be closed-minded to the things that you're longing to tell me. May I not be open to your word. May I not um, ignore the warning signs that you're trying to say, hey, that's not the right path. I want you to go this path. You know, please help me to not get so focused that I think I know everything. I got all the verses. Somehow I completely missed that 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 old-fashioned little saying that I just thought was just cute is in the Bible. Like, how incredible is that? Um, Another one of my absolute favorites is... um, a river. Um, so like I told you, my parents love waterfalls. So often um, we would hike to waterfalls. Well, I was at Texas at Southwestern Adventist University. Let me tell you, nature is hard to find a little bit sometimes in Texas, um, at least in the area that I was at. Southwestern's near Dallas. And I was really searching for what God wanted me to do with my life, life partner, you know, all those big questions you have when you're in college and trying to figure it out. And I was like, I'm just going to go to a state park. So I found this state park, and I, was, I drove to it, and I just started hiking around by myself. And I was hiking, and I was hiking. And all of a sudden, you'll never believe it, but I came across a waterfall. Like, it was this really strange, like, bricks. It was almost like it was man-made. It was almost like it was, used to be part of a dam or something, but yet it was beautiful. And it was like this river, and I just stared at it, and I was like, Lord, there's something you want me to learn here. Because here I am searching and I feel like I'm being taken kind of back to my childhood. Like, is there something that you just need to remind me of? And so I first started with river. I started with my concordance with the word river. And I came to seriously probably my favorite verse in the Bible because it says her. It says in Isaiah 66, verse 12, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Behold, I will extend. Now, I'm telling you, every time I see a river, I cannot help it. I'm like, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Now, we know, we hear the song, I've got peace like a river. But when you find that verse, this verse is Angela's verse. Like, he is speaking. God is speaking to me and saying, I'm going to extend peace. Angela, I know that you don't know where you're supposed to go in life. I know you're not, you don't know which direction you're in this time of confusion. But here's a promise. When I just started pouring through my concordance and saying, all right, Lord, 
I need a promise for me. Not just that general promise, but because you know what situation I'm currently in and you have some way for me to be out of it or to go in it. And so I need that promise that's going to carry me through. The other one is quite a journey. So waterfall, I started with John um, 7. John 7. And it, it goes on a little bit of a journey on that. And that's when it gets really exciting is when the Lord starts taking me to the next verse, to the next verse, to the next verse. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, I've been flipping through your Bible for like an hour. Like, I, how did I do that? I don't feel like I'm a great, like, Bible studier, but I'm just telling you, when I've started writing it, he's like, wait, remember that other promise? I remember that other promise, and all of a sudden, I just feel like I'm going deeper and deeper and deeper in my relationship with the Lord, and it all started because I just started using a word that I saw in nature. So for waterfall, I was thinking, now you have to think a little bit more like abstract, because obviously, like, waterfall is not in the Bible, so I was like, started thinking, like, what could waterfall be representing about God's character? What is a waterfall? Well, for me, this is a waterfall. If you stand under a big waterfall, you get so much poured on top of you, right? But if you stand under a little waterfall, there's still a steady drip, right? No matter what waterfall you go to, there's a, a, a fair amount of water coming over that. And that, to me, is God. He's like, Angela, the world tells you that I'm confusing, that you can't really know me, that I'm kind of mysterious, that you'll never really know my will. But it's like a waterfall. You stand underneath me and you drink of me. I'll never leave you empty. I'll never leave you thirsty. Because there will be seasons in your life where it's going to pour on you. We're like, but the Lord just longs to pour on you the knowledge of himself. He doesn't want to be mysterious. He wants to be known and have a relationship with you. And I found this verse in John 7:37. It says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his water will flow rivers of living water. So not only does he pour out of me on me, but he's going to pour out of me. Well, my, riverfall, my waterfall experience is not done because I just keep going to waterfalls. I'm like, all right, Lord, what else is there in waterfalls? And so if you go to Isaiah 44.3, yep, I'm in the wrong one. Isaiah 44.3, it says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Now, all of a sudden, a random verse in Isaiah 44.3 that maybe you've heard a sermon. Now, that has a personal story in my life. I have down here... Um, a date and an experience that I can tell you where this verse has I felt dry and the Lord's like no I want to pour my love on you and then you know that song that hymn fill my cup Lord I lift it up Lord I just always think of that waterfalls I'll just sing that fill my cup Lord I lift it up Lord because it's just like it feels empty I just want you to fill me I want to know that you're real and that you're there for me another verse that um, really made this verse come alive is in Titus 3 4 through 8 Titus 3 through eight. Um, and it says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I just have to stand on the waterfall and be renewed. Sometimes I have to have everything washed away. You know, like, as you can see, I'm not going to keep going because that, like, my waterfall Bible study is one of my favorites. And it just keeps going and it keeps going because, like, that verse leads me to Ezekiel and that verse leads me to Philippians and that verse leads me to... But it's just all these truths that I have found about waterfalls, about every time I go to a waterfall, it's just like, there is so much that I want to teach you about me. Um... Another one that I have is, is mountains. I uh, ha, was going on another um, mission trip, and I managed to lose my passport. And I was in another state, and my parents were looking for my passport at my house because I had been there for a couple of days, and it was like a lot of transition. 
and I was at, at Daystar, actually, wondering what I was supposed to do with my life, and I just looked outside, and there was this, Daystar is beautiful, and there's this big, like, mountain rock, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to teach me? So I looked up mountain, that didn't really take me anywhere, and then I looked up um, rock, and I love this verse. It says, Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. There's not a time now where I'm driving and I see a rock up high that I don't think of that verse. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. It's just, it's so, it's, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's the most exciting thing that I could ever experience is like really hearing God's voice. And it's not my voice now because it's God's promises going through my head. And I, I don't know, maybe you guys have like scriptures that you just memorize and that's how you like started claiming God's promises. But God's promises are so life transforming. But the thing is, we just don't know how to like look for them. And we get stuck on, don't get me wrong, I love them. But Jeremiah 29, 11 and Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 and Philippians 4, 13. And we're like, God's promises are so powerful. And it's like, wait, there's jewels hidden in Isaiah, and there's jewels hidden in Jeremiah, and there's little ones in Titus, and there's ones over here in Philippians, and there's ones over there in 1 Corinthians and 2 Chronicles, but we just get stuck because we don't know how to keep looking for promises. So what I do is I also look for like a feeling that I'm feeling or struggling with or a, a character attribute that I want to grow in, like trust or something, and I'll look up that, and I'll be like, this is where I'm at, Lord. I'm staring at this tree. I'm staring at this but I need this kind of encouragement right now in my life, and I'll use that in my concordance, okay? So for another example, um, definitely one of my favorites is the story of Lazarus. Um, and the story of Lazarus is an incredible story. Um, it's in John 11. And <laughs> I, I heard a sermon about it, and it totally changed my perspective. So here I am sitting at a pond, and I, once again, am asking God what to do with my life. I don't know about you, but there's lots of times in your life where you're just asking God, like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, wait a second, what about now? Like, there's always times where I'm just like, where now? What now? How now? This new situation, this new trial, this new question, like, what now? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm at this pond. I'm like, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? Because I just need to be encouraged today. So I'm sitting there, and it's a beautiful fall day, and I'm at a pond, and all of a sudden, the, 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 leaves, the leaves start falling from the trees. The wind blows, and the leaves just fa start falling down. And I'm actually Caleb at your house. <laughs> and um, all the, the leaves are just falling down, and I'm like, man, that is so beautiful. Like, what could God want to teach me about his character through falling leaves? And I started looking at it, and I was like, man... Falling leaves look like God's confetti. Like, it looks like a party. Like, I wonder what he could want me to learn from this. And I had recently heard a sermon about Mary and Martha. And if they had known the end of the story, if they had known that Lazarus was going to be raised to dead, can you imagine how they would have felt? They'd be like, okay, Lazarus, are you getting sick? How are you feeling? Feeling better now? Okay, good. Are you about to die yet? Because it's going to be really exciting when you die. Like, you know, like, if they would have known the end of the story, think about how exciting the experience. Well, well, the truth is, guys, we know the end of the story. We know Jesus coming back. We know he's going to take us home. We don't know what every trial it is that we're going through, but we know the end of the story. And so when, when trials come, instead of being like, oh, why do I have to go through this one? Be like, I know the end of the story. God, let's walk through this one. Let's do this, okay? And so when I think of leaves falling from the trees, the tree, truth is, in a way, that tree is dying. 
dying, right? It has to go dormant for the winter. In order, if it doesn't go dormant for the winter, the sap, if it stays up in the trees, because you know the sap rises up and goes back down for the spring and for the, um, for the fall, and the, the, the sap goes faster up because it's like a vacuuming process at spring. That's why we tap at spring and not at fall, and it goes slower down into the roots at fall. So if you were to tap at fall, it would go really slow out your tree. Compared to springtime, it's going to go a lot faster. That's why we make maple syrup in the springtime, not the fall time. And so the tree has to, in a way, die, and it has to go dormant. And it has to have this process of losing leaves because if it still have, has leaves, then it has to give life. And if it's still trying to give life, then the sap is going to freeze and the tree is going to freeze and the tree is going to die. Like it has to go through that season in order to prosper later. We have to go through seasons in order to prosper later. And we have to trust God in the process no how, matter how painful it is. Now that tree is ugly, okay? Let's not deny it. Brown trees without leaves are ugly. There are times in our life that are ugly and they're not nice. But the truth is we know the end of the story and we can have a party when we're losing our leaves and are losing, our, losing whatever we're going through because we know the end of the story. And I just, every time now that I see it, I know my mom doesn't like this saying, but I say it anyways. I, see it, I say a party in death. It's a party in death. There's, there's a season of my life that is dying because there's new growth going to happen. And there's new exciting things that are going to happen. But I have to trust God in the process because if I don't, it's much more painful. The alternative is not better. <laughs> Being a tree and freezing and dying in the winter is not better than just allowing myself to lose the leaves to get new growth again. Um, so that one for me started with because I heard a sermon you know, and so, you know, that's what's really awesome is God's going to bring different things to your brain as you're sitting there, and he's going to bring different stories. Um, but what's really changed is because I've written in my Bible. I said, nature's confetti, I know the end of the story. Autumn leaves falling from trees, a party in death. And it's just in my brain forever. So when I see leaves going, and it's beautiful. You know when you're driving along and, you, and those leaves fall, and it's just like, oh, it's so pretty. I just love it. And I'm just like, Lord, you're making my life that pretty. Even if right now it feels ugly, you're making my life, you're making me, my character, that pretty, even though this is so difficult. Um, a more complex one, another example, is a jack pine cone. So up in Michigan, but I think you probably have, I know you don't have, I know that jack pine trees are not just in Michigan. Has anyone ever heard of a jack pine? It's in your area? Okay, so a jack pine works like, well, don't steal my thunder. <laughs> so a jack pine's cones are like this. They're shaped like this, and they're really tight, and um, they don't germinate unless it's extreme cold or extreme heat. Now, I'm talking about extreme cold, like ice age. So that's probably not going to happen, which means that in order for a jack pine forest to be able to continue on its process, what do you think it needs? Fire. Fire, exactly. Well, we live in a world that we're not really trying to share our environment. We're trying to live our own lives, which means that we as people, we hear fires and we get really scared. We're like, oh, no, those forest fires are so bad over in California. Those forest fires are so bad in Montana. The truth is trees and forests go through a succession. After a fire, there's the first succession and there's a secondary succession. And without fires, your forest will just stay in the secondary succession, which means there's a big problem. Because, like, after a fire, you have your birch trees that come up and you have... Um, your um, soft trees, and then later you have your hard trees, it's just going to stay in that succession unless there's fires that help the process happen again. I don't know what's going to happen in heaven. Honestly, the more study I study in nature, the more questions I'm like, how is this working in a perfect world? Because everything in nature seems to work really quite well through death. So <laughs> how is this going <coughs> to work in heaven, Lord? I'm excited to find out. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, 
But anyway, so the jack pine cone, it needs fire, all right? Well, there's this beautiful bird called um, the warbler, I think. I have to see. For some reason, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> Anyways, it's a, it's a bird, the Kirkland warbler. Thank you, Jesus. Um, the Kirkland warbler, and it needs the jack pine forest in order to be able to produce. So what he does is he nests. The jack pine trees make these little, like, teardrop areas, and when they, because they grow more like lined up, and they make these little teardrop areas, and the, the bird nests in, among the jack pines, and that's the only place they nest. So up in Michigan, they noticed that we were, these birds were becoming endangered, and they were becoming more endangered, and farmers were noticing that certain insects were bothering their crops more because these birds ate these insects. So like, maybe we have to do something about this. So up in Michigan, what they decided to do is it's controlled burned areas, where they would burn off certain areas of jack pine forest so the new jack pines would be able to come up, because that's the only way you can have a continuing jack pine forest. Well, one time I was up in Minnesota for my, for my master's program, the Boundary Waters trip, and we had gotten on, on, the, on the river, or lakes, and we started paddling, and my professor was like, it was all burned area. And he's like, I don't know why burned peep, why burned, why people think that burned areas are so ugly. And I'm like sitting there in the middle, because it was my turn to sit in the middle, I'm like, are you kidding me? Why not? Of course they're ugly. Like, who likes looking at a burnt landscape? Nobody. It's not beautiful at all. He's like, don't they know this is a necessary part of the environment? And I was like, well, it's still an ugly part. Like, I don't like it. And we're just paddling along. And I'm like, I can't wait till we get to like, the green beauty. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about like life. Anyway, the trip ends up being a little bit rough because <clears throat> uh, I went with a bunch of like hardcore outdoorsy people, and I guess I didn't quite meet the standards, so I guess I wasn't quite hardcore enough. And it's true, I mean, I didn't know how to do everything they knew how to do, so I didn't quite fit in. And there's only nine of us, so it didn't take very long for me to be the outsider. It wasn't really quite working out to be such an awesome trip as I had planned, but that's okay. And at the end, I was really discouraged because I was so excited to see the Boundary Waters. And in fact, one night we saw the Northern Lights. Actually, two nights we saw the Northern Lights, and it's, it is so beautiful. So another destination, if you're looking for one, is the Boundary Waters. Just watch out for black flies. Make sure you look at the weather reports because black flies can eat you alive up there. Um, so we're up there, and at the end of the trip, I'm talking to my professors about it, and I said, you know, that was really rough. You know, I really thought this was going to be an awesome trip, that I was going to bond with these people, that it was going to be an awesome time. Instead, I just felt like the scapegoat, like everybody was learning lessons on me. And I was like, I don't know why I had to go through this. And later on in life, um, later on, like a, a week later, month later, something like that, I'm like reflecting, I'm like, Lord, why did I have to go through that fire? Like, I was looking forward to that trip for years. Like, why did it not go the way that I planned? Why did I have to feel like such an outsider? And the Lord is like, well, you have to sometimes go through fires. And the truth is, we all have to go through fires. And if we don't go through fires, we'll never have new growth. You'll never have that beautiful new growth that you wouldn't trade for anything, you know? My, my best friend died of cancer when I, was, um, when I was 18. And that is the most devastating thing to go through. But to go through that, I wouldn't trade that new growth for anything. The person I am today, because I experienced death at such a prime time of age, I just, I look at life differently. I value life differently. I have a different, stronger direction because I know what it's like to sit next to somebody and they say, why do I have to die? I want to live life. I want to have dreams. I want to see things. I want to do things. And knowing that I got to live and she didn't get to live made me think, Lord, I want to live my life differently. And for a long time, it was difficult because I tried to live life for two. But the point is, that fire, no, I hate the fire. I would never choose to go through that fire. But that new growth, I wouldn't trade for the world. That person I became because of that fire is unchangeable. You know, it's so precious. And so looking at life as 
as a thing that we have to go through through fires in order to enjoy and appreciate and value the new growth is just part of the simple world that we live in. Um, and there's, there's many, many promises that, I mean, that's pretty much one of the biggest things that I have fought with in my life. I think most of us, right, probably can look through our lives and say, ouch, that was a burn, ouch, that really hurt, ouch, that was a painful point in my life, right? And so for me to go through all the Bible promises and the specific stories, but you get the ideas. When I started to recognize that fires was the only way I could see the new growth, then all those little promises now just say new growth next to them. And they're, they're just, they're just, um, they're super precious to me, very, very precious to me. Um, another thing is the, is the way, um, the way that God works is, is really awesome. You know, without plants, you have no oxygen, right? Well, when God created the world, how did he create it? In what order did he create it? He created it perfectly because he created plants on day three, he created birds on day five, and he created animals on day six. Okay, there was a reason he did in that order because first the environment had to get going with oxygen. So then when animals come along, they're like, oh, now I have something to breathe. You know, like there is, there's this system that we can study in nature. And honestly, the more, the, the richness of things that I have found is as I have dug deeper and deeper into how nature works, how the process of nature works. And, and not just how the process of nature works, but how, how am I feeling now? Not necessarily just how am I feeling now, but what is the void in my life that I'm not allowing the Lord to fill? And as I, as I be honest with that in me, then I look for those kind of words in my concordance, and I study nature, and I watch how the Lord brings them together in, in an incredible way that I couldn't find the strength just on my own. But as he gives me his promises, then I can really claim that promise. I believe the promise, not because I feel it, but because God promises if we believe the promise, God supplies the fact. But if we don't know any promises and we're only repeating Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sorry, but life does not always look like Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, you know, there's not always a time where you feel like, I have a great future and a great hope, you know? Sometimes that great future and great hope is heaven. And it's not something that's going to happen here on earth, you know? So if we only know those promises, then we're really limiting the power of God when he's like, wait, wait, I want to go so much deeper. Wait, you know those like little things in your heart that you don't want to let go? You know those struggles that you really haven't, thought about? God's like, I want to reach those, and I want to show you that I care about those. Um, some other ones, another one of my favorites is in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, this one I, I got on a mission trip. So, you know, the ocean is beautiful, and the waves are crashing, and, I, and last time I did this seminar, somebody came up to me and did a beautiful analogy of how, how waves and I didn't write it down, and now I can never remember it. So write it down. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I'm at the ocean, and you know how like the sunset is so beautiful at the ocean. And, and you're looking at the reflection in the ocean, and you see all the be beautiful and bright colors of the sunset. And you look up, or you don't look up. You only stare at the ocean, and you never look up well, then you're missing out on a whole lot, aren't you? You're like, whoa, that reflection is so beautiful. Whoa, God is so amazing. And God's like, well, I am, but can you make some eye contact with me? I have so much more to show you. And the verse I have that is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. Like, isn't that promise perfect? 
You know, like we get so caught up with looking down and, and saying that is good and that is great, but God's like, wait, look up. Look up. I have more to show you. I have more depth and beauty and love and a plan to show you. And right now, things aren't going to be crystal clear. But if you keep looking up, I'm going to guide you into a deeper and deeper and more meaningful relationship with me. Um, another really simple, kind of funny story um, is Psalm 72. <coughs> and um, so here I am on a plane. And I'm, for some reason, the plane was really empty. And I have no idea where I was flying to. I have no idea. I wouldn't even remember the story if I had it written in my Bible. But I'm flying to somewhere, and I remember I could pick which side of the plane I wanted to sit on. And it was like right at sunset, and I was like, oh, cool, I want to see the sunset. This is going to be such an awesome flight. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, which side do I sit on the plane? So I sat on the side of the plane, I'm like, this is it. And I'm like, all comfortable next to the window. And we're going, and we're starting to fly away. And as soon as we like started going, I was like, I picked the wrong side. Because, you know, you never know exactly which way the plane's going to turn. Well, maybe you all can figure out the runways, but I can't. So anyway, the plane is going down the runway, and I realized I picked the wrong side, and I was so bummed and discouraged. I was like, Lord, okay, this is me, but maybe this is you guys too. I was like, Lord, I always pick the wrong side. <laughs> like, I always pick, and the grass is always greener on the other side, and I always pick the wrong side. And Lord, why don't you help me? Like, I prayed, and this was supposed to be about time with you, and you picked the wrong side. Like, you weren't helping me. And so I'm like, fine, I guess I'm doing a study about the moon because that was the side that I was on. So I was like, fine, Lord, I guess we're talking about the moon tonight, but I wanted to do the sunset. So I'm like looking for a moon in my concordance, and, and I find this verse, um, and it's in Psalm 72, verse 7. It says, In his days the righteousness, the righteous shall flourish in abundance of peace until the moon is no more. And I was like, that's not really helpful, Lord. I don't really know what that verse means to me. What is the point of this? And I'm still kind of like bitter at him because I'm like, Lord, see, I'm just begging you to show me what you want me to do with my life. I'm willing, but why do I always feel like I'm praying and you're not really showing me and I'm always taking the wrong path? And so I'm, I always try never to just read the verse. I always try to read the whole chapter. Whenever I find that verse, like about red or about bird or about flowers, I always try to read the whole chapter because I don't want to take a verse out of context and I don't want to try to interpret God's word on what I want it to turn to say. So I always try to always, always, always read the whole chapter and, and the verse of the context. So I'm reading the whole verse. And this is where the Lord's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, trust me. Okay, so in Psalm 72, verse 3, it says, The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness, and he will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. And one of the biggest things I struggle with is the fact that, like, because I go on a lot of mission trips, I'm like, Lord, what about those children? What about people who nobody speaks up for? Like, that is one thing that I really struggle in trusting God in, because I've seen a lot of heartache, that I have a really hard time being like, God, do you really care about everybody? Like, I know you care about me. You've made that abundantly clear, but do you really care about them? Because sometimes I just can't really tell. And I was like, whoa, I've never seen that verse before. So it's like the Lord was like, there's something more I want to show you. And so next to that verse, I, I wrote promise for the unanswerables. Because there's a lot of times in your life where you just can't answer. Like, God, why did that happen? Like, you know, you watch those hurricanes, you watch those, those shootings, and you watch children. And I'm sorry, but children, children are the thing that just kill me. Like, I just do not want to see children suffer. And I just, it breaks my heart to see children suffer. And so I personally need this verse. 
because I, it's something that I really contend with God on, where I'm like, God, I know you're real. Like, it's obvious to me you're real. It's obvious that you're involved in my life, but I just need to know you really care about the whole world because <laughs> I can't always tell you care about the whole world. I know you care about me, but you care about the whole world. And so this verse, I'll go back to a lot. The mountains will be increased to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. And then it continues on in verse 6. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing. He like showers that water the earth. And so next to that, um, I said the little hills. Next to the little hills in verse 3, I said notice the little things. Because the little hills brought righteousness. And in verse 6, I said he longs to reveal himself to me and he does abundantly and I'm not the only one that he longs to reveal himself to. And then down to verse 12, it says, For he will deliver the needy when he cries. And I say, promise to claim in questions. The poor also, and him who has no helper. And I need that verse. Him who has no helper. Because there's a lot of people out there who have no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence. And precious shall be their blood in his eyes and his sight. And I love that promise. So this chapter... That story of, like, not getting to me on the side. It's, but Lord, but he's like, Angela, I have more to show you. I want to reach a part of your heart that you haven't quite let me get at yet. That you haven't quite let me touch yet. Haven't quite let me surrender. And so that's all started with a moon. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. There's something about using nature to show you God that just brings it to something special and something deep and um, something quite like practical, practical. And then I just want to share with you one last one. It's in Psalm 65. And um, I don't want to read the whole chapter, though. The whole chapter, um, I actually, I don't know if you can see, but the whole thing's written next to <laughs> with different colors because the whole chapter means something to me. But it started with the fact that um, last year, I started an agricultural program, and at the end of it, the team of us four that helped to start it, um, two of them decided to leave, and it was devastating, because how are you going to run this program now with not even have, because they were really doing the work, I was just the one that organized the paperwork, so how are we going to run this now, and I'm just kind of questioning why the Lord did this, and I'm just kind of questioning, and I don't honestly even remember the word search that brought me to this Psalms. But in this psalm, there's so many beautiful things. I'll just read you a couple of them. Verse 6, I'll start in verse 6. Who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power, who stilled the noise of the seas, the noise of their ways, and the tumult of the peoples. Okay, let me tell you, I was girl's dean. <laughs> there was tumult in that dorm, right? It happens when you're a girl's dean. So I wrote down their emotional roller coaster of people's feelings. Because <laughs> when you work with those precious teenage girls, they're in a tumult. So it does feel like a tumult. Um... They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of the morning and evenings rejoice. You visit the earth and water it. See, I'm always back to that waterfall. And greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for you, so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. Verse 11, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are closed with flocks. The valleys are also covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. You see that first year that we started that, that agriculture program at Heritage, <coughs> we had a three-year plan. 
And year three was when we were supposed to start selling our produce. Year one, we made $1,300. <laughs> like, I mean, this verse right here where it's dripping with abundance, that was the Heritage Agricultural, agri agricultural Program that year. And there's tons of things um, in here that I have that each of these words relate back to a, a, something that happened that year. And the, the song that I think of now when I go to waterfalls or the song that, song that I think of in rain is Showers of Blessings. Like, there is nothing that makes me more excited than rain. Like, rain <coughs> makes me so excited because I think about it like washing the earth clean, you know, starting over afresh. That, that smell after a good rain is just so precious. And the fact that God longs to shower blessings on us. So the last thing that I want to leave you with is just the fact that the Lord longs to pour out his blessings on you. He longs to show you deeper and deeper in you, and he wants to walk with you. You know, the Garden of Eden, you know, Ellen White says that we can have heaven here on earth. We can experience heaven here on earth, and I think we cheat God. I think we cheat him of a deeper relationship, and I think we walk around as Christians with our heads down because life is tough, and it's true. If you want to focus on the negative, it's plenty to be there. There was once a question asked at a seminar where it was with so much sorrow and pain in the world, can there really be a God? And someone answered, with so much joy and so many blessings in the world, could there really not be a God? You know, it's, it's up to you how you want to look at this world. And yeah, there's tons of sorrow, and like to act like there's not sorrow is ridiculous. But we as Christians know the end of the story. We know that in the end he's coming to take us home. We know there's a point to all of this. <laughs> there is. And if we, we need to start living like we know there's a point. We need to raise our heads high and be filled with the joy because the Lord's like, I want to give you joy. I want to give you peace. I want to give you gentleness. I want to fill you with all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but you keep holding me at bay because you're not looking for me. I'm trying to talk to you all day long. I'm trying to speak with you. I'm trying to commune with you. I actually want to hold your hand the entire day, not for just the morning time and the evening time. I want to. I long to be with you. I long to back to that quote where it says, um, to those who acquaint themselves with Christ, the earth will never more be a lonely or desolate place. I mean, how many times do we just focus on the fact that we're lonely or that this earth is so desolate and we just get caught up with that when the Lord's like, let me, let me show you. So go back to those rocks. Make them your gratitude rocks and help your kids to say, Mom and Dad, what do those stones mean to you? And slowly, slowly you can show how your word is not just the Bible up on the shelf. It's, this is my story, honey. Let me, let me tell you the story of my life. Let me tell you how God has been involved all along. Um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you um, for the ways that you have helped us. I thank you for the, the knowledge that you have put in our hearts. And I just ask, Lord, that whatever I didn't make clear, that you make clear that my jumbling and my all over the place, Lord, somehow becomes straight in their path, Lord, and that you help them to accomplish what you have called them to accomplish for this year. And uh, Lord, I just ask that you inspire them and help them to know how to organize um, their lives and prioritize. But Lord, mainly I just ask that they know how to dig deeper with you and have that relationship, Lord, because that is undeniable to our children. Um, and that experience, Lord, may we storytell that. May we have that sit spot with you, and may we come back and have stories because you have so many stories to give us. Lord, I praise you for each individual here. I thank you for their heart, and I thank you for their willingness to serve you. Lord, bless them. And tonight, Lord, show them that you love them. Wink at them like you wink at me every night. In your name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.